Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 137 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And if you've been following this podcast for any time now, you're probably wondering... Um, for the past month and a half or two months, honestly, at this point, um, there, the reason that there hasn't been any new episodes, I think we didn't leave you guys off on a cliffhanger. I think on the last episode, we kind of explained the situation of what was going on. Both me and Tyler were in the process or getting to the process of moving um, and making kind of big moves where we were moving basically for Tyler cross country and me miles away from Georgia um, for work related purposes and also just personal life reasons. So you know, we were in the process of moving. And because of that, everything was just kind of hectic with the situations and also the setups we were in. It was all kind of getting like disassembled and all on the move. And we personally felt like it it just wasn't conducive to making a good podcast when you have the setup just kind of all over the place. Mike's not hooked up, you know, just kind of running off, you know, random fuel. And we're like, you know, when you, anyone that has moved before, you know, the amount of energy it goes to just packing, getting everything set up, getting everything in the truck, on the plane to move out. And then once you finally get over to the new place, you know, you got to unpack, got to get settled. And then also you have to, you know, get fully settled in before you feel comfortable. And we, we just felt like we wanted to come back And when we do come back, we wanted to make sure we're both kind of at least semi-settled in or at least 75% settled in before kind of jumping in and making like a long-term commitment to weekly episodes just because we know how much time it takes to do everything. But as of right now, it looks like we're we're kind of slowly getting back to it. It's uh, it's taken a bit of time, but, you know, we're in the middle of March or near the end of March now. And it looks like we're finally, um, we got our legs back together and we can, you know, start, start making some strides again. Mm-hmm. We're back. We're definitely <laughs> back right now. It's good. We're now kind of in our third kind of change in big locations for our, this pod because yeah. we started in actually, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess third in terms of city because yeah, we started in half. Athens. Yeah, three and a half. We went from the dorms in Athens to the actual studio. Yeah. In our student center to our hometowns, just doing it remotely in the suburbs of Atlanta. And now Yush is in New York and I'm in Oregon. So it's a big change once again, but, you know, we're bringing the whole setup. We're back. We have our, you know, apartments all ready to go. You know, in the first week, at least I was here, I was using a fold-out chair and like a fold-out table for my whole desk setup. So yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure for Yush, it's probably much the same for him. Yeah, my room was uh, filled with a lot of stuff. It's still filled with a lot of stuff, but it's definitely a lot more cleaner and more manageable now than it was the first couple of days I was here. It was a mess. First couple yeah, of days. I felt like I was... I felt like I was camping in my own apartment yeah. with like materials and like furniture I had. I guess furniture with quotes around there. Yeah, just so much but, random stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is also like our first time besides like a couple trial runs in the last summer where we're recording on different time zones. Yeah. So I'm three hours behind Yush and we're kind of making it work, but it's, it's doing pretty well. Uh, we'll see how this goes, but we also have a new plan for structuring the show yeah kind of like a new direction yeah so when tyler and i we spoke um uh, actually last week i think around this time or no it was like last sunday uh we basically took that time to catch up obviously um because i think we last spoke on the phone or like at least talked on a mic maybe yeah like like basically the last podcast episode but in in that in that conversation we kind of talked about um kind of restructuring the show because i think um as new 
I guess maybe so location or setup or season um, has gone into like in terms of the podcast, we've kind of taken that time to maybe shake things up or kind of kind of evaluate where the podcast is going and maybe look at ways to freshen it up or liven it up a bit because, you know, anything you do in your life, if you continue doing it without actually checking yourself, it just kind of becomes monotonous and you just kind of get in the flow of just doing the normal everyday thing because that's what you're accustomed to. But for us, we wanted to kind of change it up. And one of the, basically the new structure we kind of wanted to go for the show is that our, or basically the reasoning behind it um, is that both, if you've followed this podcast, you know that Tyler's a huge Liverpool fan. I'm a huge Manchester United fan. And in the beginning, when we started the podcast, the goal of it was primarily based on like, hey, let's cover like the entire Premier League, you know, try to get all 30 teams in there, you know, from relegation battle, you know, people fighting the relegation zone to the people that are fighting for top four and the title contenders and the middle, everything in between. And that worked for our debut season because both of us were still in college, had probably a ton of time to like sit and watch every weekend and kind of take a deep dive on stuff. Um, but then the next year, as you notice, we've kind of, uh, we shifted away from talking about every single team and we still kept a big focus on the big four, the, or I guess the top six and um, paying attention to some of the lesser known teams and providing our input there. But as the third season came along, as both Tyler and I both got into full-time jobs, then we started to focus on, okay, we really can't focus on all these teams. We really can only kind of focus in on our, both of our teams and the big six. And that's essentially it. And then maybe some relegation fodder every now and again. But then as we discussed uh, on the phone call last week, we've now kind of being put in a position where we're both just really busy with work. I mean, we're older now, more responsibilities at work, but also not only that, like social life, you know, um, hanging out with other people. It's just, we don't have as much time to dedicate to watching, you know, 20 plus hours of Premier League every single weekend, like we did in college. So realistically, in terms of providing like good content, um, for us, we didn't feel like it would make sense to per se cover every big six team, even though generally speaking you know realistically speaking like we haven't watched every big six game out there like we uh, you know on our normal weekends we're not going out of our way to watch every single Chelsea game or every single Tottenham game every single Arsenal game um, but we will go out of our way to watch every single Liverpool game for Tyler and every single Manchester United game for me because we are fans of those teams and we're really well connected on what's going on with those clubs so we felt like in terms of bringing a good content for you guys, we decided to kind of shift our focus into, hey, let's cover our two teams as best as we can. And then also not neglecting all the other other coverage. And by not neglecting it, we basically decided, okay, we're going to have a topic three, which is essentially a kind of a wild card of each episode where we can kind of go in um, and talk about something that is going on in the Premier League or maybe something that's going on in Europe or FIFA or UEFA or something just a bit wild that's going on in our personal lives that can kind of help tie into what's been going on in the soccer world. Um, just something to help liven it up and also give us give you guys a fresh perspective on any topics we have or anything that's been going on. So that's kind of the shakeup of what we're planning. Like we want to focus in on Manchester United for me. Liverpool for Tyler and kind of a wild card topic three for whatever is kind of going on in the soccer world or whatever is kind of buzzing in the news. Mm -hmm. And basically, Yoshi and I kind of decided it also helped kind of 
shorten the overall podcast because sometimes we just go <laughs> for like an yeah. hour and a half and we're planning on like yeah i mean a bullet, like a few i mean honestly like, oh, like, what, like what ends minutes. up happening is like united or liverpool are like the top two bullets and then we'll t- like take like 45 minutes t- talking about those two teams and then we're like oh crap we still have 75 percent of the like the outline to go it's like what do we do now you know <laughs> mm-hmm so we're making it a little bit more concise to make it a little bit more organized for everyone too. And also just to keep it fresh for what at least we know. Because basically, as you just mentioned too, it's like we can't see all the games these days. Yeah. So at least I know the Liverpool stuff, just knows the Man U stuff. And then there's always going to be at least one big topic every week that is just in the news, just in the know that we both just naturally would talk about anyway. And that could be our third topic of the week. Mm-hmm. So and that third topic also could be something that maybe any of the listeners want us to talk about. Like you can just submit it to us through our DMs on Twitter or Instagram, anything like that. Or if you just know us personally, just like text us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things. But this is a cool new format. Hopefully y'all like it and, you know, let us know how it is after we test it out for a few weeks. But yeah, it's looking I'm, like this will be the the main flow, the main structure yeah. or yeah, the way to go. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm really I'm really excited to try it out because I think um, there's always like a bit of hesitancy, like I guess when you try out like a new plan or a new kind of goal or a new structure because it's like oh man, like the old formula was kind of you know I'm used to that and that was working, but I, I'm I'm excited to try it out um, or try something new out because um, like I mentioned before, I think it's not like we have gotten to a position where we don't watch. I mean, obviously for my job, I'm, I'm watching the games, I'm covering them 24 seven, but for Tyler's sake, it's not like he's neglected all other types of, you know, Premier league coverage. It's just the, the factor of like both of us. It's like, if we have free time and there's like Chelsea versus, you know, crystal palace, it's like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to watch Chelsea versus Crystal Palace today. I'm sorry, Chelsea fans, but, you know, it's not it's not my it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to do because I got other things to get done um, on the weekend. But, you know, obviously we cover our teams like if there's Liverpool Crystal Palace or Manchester United Crystal Palace, we're still going to watch those games because that's the, you know, those are our teams. So we want to come and support them. But we're hoping that with this new kind of structure, we're also able to provide um, like Tyler said, more of like an in-depth insight and also a bit more um, clarity and just bring like a lot more concise, you know, consolidation to the show and just make it a more enjoyable listening experience for you listeners. And that's obviously why we do it. So you guys could have a good, something good to listen to while you're working, driving, doing any type of chore activity, or just kicking back and relaxing. Yeah. Just listening to our voices for <laughs> solid 30 minutes every week, Yes, you know. <laughs> for everyone at home that misses us <laughs> i know it's been a while been a while but mm-hmm. um i guess it's now probably a good segue to go into like our first topic which is um focusing on liverpool tyler's big team um obviously since we've been gone so much stuff has happened i don't think we you guys really need a recap because i'm sure you guys know a general gist of what's going on but liverpool won the Carabao Cup, one point behind leaders Manchester City. So they, they're kind of setting themselves up for that quadruple, that that famous quadruple that we always coin Manchester City or everyone tries to get Manchester City to win and they always end up choking it in some sort of fashion. But Liverpool could potentially do it. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify what the quadruple is, is basically winning like every single trophy you can win in a single season that's not like the Super Cup or uh, the FIFA Club World Cup. It's... Anything that like any team can win in a given season. So it'd be the Premier League itself, the Champions League, the FA Cup, 
and then the Carabao Cup, so yeah. the two domestic cups. And Liverpool just won the Carabao Cup a few weeks ago, which is the first one, the first domino. Yeah, first, and Klopp's first. Not, yeah, Klopp's first domestic trophy. Finally, after <laughs> so many seasons, he finally got over that hump and won the Carabao Cup. It was so I'm wearing the you know the Liverpool kit right now, the Carabao Cup final right here, Minamino on the back. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't even know you can get Carabao Cup jerseys here. That's kind of crazy. But that's the first kind of big talking point where now it's like, can Liverpool do it? And Klopp, of course, is kind of dismissing it. He's like, ah, we're not thinking about that right now. It's just, you know, taking it game by game as as most, you know, in trained (laughs) for interviews kind of say their interview training is kind of coming through. But I think that's in the minds of not only Liverpool fans, but also Liverpool players because, that's kind of the whole goal of being at these kind of bigger clubs is to win anything you can and everything you can. Yeah. And I don't, and right now they're in the hot seat and right in like in the driving seat for all these competitions, Liverpool still in the FA cup. They're about to face Manchester city in the next round. They're one yeah. point behind Man city as well in the Premier league. Yeah. Throwback and, to like 2017, I think 18 where they played city in the champions league and then the, in the Premier league at the basically back to back to back games. That was so stressful. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> it's going to happen fan. again. I mean, it's like a repeat of what's going to happen, but this time in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. So that'll be throughout the, the course of April. So yeah. we'll be covering that as it happens. But also in the Champions League as well, they're matched up against Benfica in the next round. I believe eight. So yeah. this is going to be a kind of big hump for them to get through. And not only on top of that, you know, we're not going to mention everything that's happened since we last... We're on the pod at the end of 2021. Yeah. But, you know, certain players have joined the team. Luis Diaz in particular is now on the team. And there's like a huge new dynamic to the squad. And Harvey Elliott's back from injury. A lot quicker than we thought. Yeah. After dislocating his ankle in that horrific injury. But he's back in a big way. Mm -hmm. So we have, for the first time, I feel like in in a while... Yeah, depth, where we always make fun of Man City for having like two squads worth of players, like two starting 11s that could probably finish in the top six. I feel like Liverpool now are also in that same conversation, that same category where they have enough players on their bench that could start as well and then also get the result because that's kind of what's happening in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. In the last game, Klopp basically substituted like seven players and they got the win. So... I think that kind of is going to show that the rotation is working. Not as many players are being injured as compared to like last season where the entire center back squad was just out. Yeah. All the way down to like our fifth string center back. So right now, Liverpool are in a good seat and in like some good momentum to kind of end it on a high. And the expectations are high for Liverpool right now. It's pretty pretty exciting, but also kind of like it could all fall off the wheels still. I mean, you guys want a trophy, so... That's true. We do have one trophy at least in the back pocket. But man, this this title race, I think as Yeshua also allude in his section with Manchester United, kind of also just kind of turned into a, two horse. from a four-horse race to a two-horse yeah. race. Chelsea fell out of it pretty pretty quickly. I mean, I think after our last episode, they they fell out of that thing after like four weeks and they were just out and basically just turned mm-hmm. it. Well, City looked like they were running away with it and then they kind of slowed down a bit and Liverpool just kept picking up steam and just kept winning. And now they're in a position where it's literally a repeat of, uh, was it ni- not 1920, 1819, where mm-hmm. it was like Liverpool and City neck and neck. And it's like when they met in that one Premier League match of the ages, 
City somehow. I think yeah, City City won that one, right? Uh, I believe. Or is it- I, maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but I think it was like when the Mane got sent off or something. But yeah, um, I, I know it was like the goal line clearance from John Stones. That also, yeah. like Liverpool lost from millimeters. Yes, yeah. So, and then literally, so. I think uh, what is it? City won the league by one point mm-hmm. that year. So it's it's literally it's sh- shaping up to where City and Liverpool, whoever is going to win this, is going to win it by either like two, three points, maybe one point. And whoever wins that, you know, as Tyler mentioned, that matchup is going to come up in a month. Uh, but whoever wins that Premier League matchup will honestly probably end up winning the league because it's you know that's that's your lead, you know. So. It's it's pretty remarkable the the standards that have been set by Liverpool and City, but um, I know you guys have a chance to win the Premier League or like like Tyler mentioned the quadruple. But I mean, if you had to pick out of the bunch of like Champions League or Premier League, I mean, which one would you rather have? I'd I'd probably say Champions League just oh, because that yeah. competition kind of shows that you're the best team of all of Europe. Okay, and it's there's. Not that many teams that have, you know, as many wins as, say, like a Real Madrid who have like 13. Like, that's a really rare thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Premier League, you have, you know, two teams that have like 19, 20 titles in there with like Manchester United and Liverpool. So it's a very illustrious thing. Like, you can kind of remember which team won the Premier League in like maybe the last decade, but like, you can't say, like, all right, in 2003, this team won. (laughs) Unless it was like a historic season, like the Invincibles of Arsenal. But in the Champions League, I feel like most people can always remember. It's like, ah, oh, it was this team in this year. It mm-hmm. was the 05 Liverpool team. It was that 07 Milan team. It was like things like that, where it's like these are like historic teams. And it's like a big historic competition because like anyone can also win it too. Like with that Porto team that made it all the way in 2010. Yeah. So, or yeah, around there. So and right now, we even have Benfica right now. Yeah. <laughs> Benfica in so, the quarters. I then the who's the other underdog? There's um wait because you have Chelsea Villarreal. Madrid. Yeah, Vill- Villarreal who are honestly the struggling. Submarine. Yeah, they're struggling La Liga, but they somehow made it past Juve- Juventus, which is, I mean, and you like Villarreal. They're a tough match because um, Unai Emery, man, they will just sit in a block and just play like <laughs> ultra defensive. And yeah, Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's back. But that would be my take. I would say. Honestly, I would want Liverpool to go for the quadruple, obviously, because it'd be very historic. It's very few teams that have ever even done that. Yeah. And you can even, you can kind of name the teams that have done it from other leagues, like Barcelona, with like, I think it was like 2013 14 when they had MSG. Oh, <laughs> or yeah. NSG. Yeah. Whereas uh, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, like that team. Mm-hmm. So if Liverpool can pull it off of this team, that'd be an historic season. Yeah. Like we weren't. We had high expectations going into this season, but it's looking like it's possible. Yeah. And over the past couple of months, all these COVID postponement games are now starting to catch up. Every team is now starting to get back to the same number of games played. And you can start to see the table kind of shape up as we wrap up the last couple of months of the season now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I would say uh, Champions League at least is my number one pick. But if we can win them all, go for it. Let's win please. them all. <laughs> Just win them all. I mean, that's a good problem. I mean, that's honestly a good problem to have. I mean, I, I would wish a lot of teams would wish they would have that problem, you know, go for them it's all. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> I mean, if you told me Liverpool in this situation five years ago, I probably wouldn't have believed you. So it's been pretty quick. I mean, five years ago, like that is uh, that was the last time United won a trophy. Like that was literally five years ago. 
<laughs> That's just crazy. <laughs> when you sent me that text with that stat, I was I was blown away. Five years. Yeah. Jeez. Been in the gutters. We're still man. in we're still in college then. <laughs> I was a sophomore. Or no, I, I was know. a freshman. Exactly. <laughs> Man, that was a long time. Yeah, ago. I was literally eighteen. But, I was a freshman and eighteen years old, and I'm twenty. I'm twenty three now, and they still haven't won anything. So I was twenty. Yeah, it's Jeez. been a long time. <laughs> but I mean, Liverpool. I think they. Uh, I think Tyler kind of hit the hit the like hit the hit all the points there. It's just that they've had a remarkable season up to now. Big expectations, and it seems like everyone in that squad is kind of living up to that pressure of kind of delivering, like Mane scoring goals again. Uh, Firmino, I think, has pitched in a bit. Salah, obviously, has kind of been on another planet. Jota's been pitching in a lot of goals. Minamino and called upon, scores some. You know, Luis Diaz has kind of come in and provided some spark. I mean, the midfielders all working together in tandem. Um, it just seems like every everything is kind of clicking. Like, Konate coming in when he needs to. Matip and Van Dijk building a solid partnership. Um, Trent... Delivering Trent and um, Robertson on the wings, you know, on the on the fullback, just doing it, and then Ali Sun kind of being a rock there. So it just seems like everyone mm-hmm. is kind of everyone's just being steady. Like no one's being so erratic, like like it was yeah. last season. The one thing I will mention is that although Liverpool do have some momentum right now, it's actually not from I would say a goal scoring perspective. It's more a defensive side because Liverpool and like at least their last twelve games in all competitions, they got eight clean sheets, That's and good. also Ali Sun is tied with Ederson in the Premier League for most clean sheets at 16 right now. Wow. So Liverpool in the past few games, they haven't really scored more than one or two goals. And maybe it's like the past eight games besides like the Leeds domination game yeah. during Bielsa's kind of last games <laughs> at Leeds uh, when <laughs> their team was just letting in any goals. But uh, in the past, well, like maybe, yeah, yeah, 10 games, Liverpool haven't really scored more than two two goals per game. Yeah, it's crazy. They've been keeping the clean sheets. Yeah, it's crazy. Like in the Premier League, the um, leading scorers... And the Premier League are literally it's Salah. I think it goes Salah, um, Ronaldo, or I think it goes Salah, Jota, or Mane, and then Ronaldo, and then like either Jota or Mane. So it's literally like the top, the top um, four out of the three is literally Liverpool players, Liverpool forwards. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, like they're leading the Premier League. I just knew about the assists though. Trent and Robertson yeah. up there. Trent with leading the way with eleven. Yeah. Robertson with ten. I think so Trent has I knew seventeen um, across all competitions, which is just crazy. Yeah, he already beat his record for last season. Yeah, and there's still a few. And last season was a did, down year. It was a down year for Liverpool. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he is injured for a few weeks with a hamstring injury. But mm-hmm. hopefully, he'll be back in a few weeks and in time for you know the big games. But we'll see from there. Right now, it's an international break for all clubs in Europe. Yeah, or I guess all clubs in the world. Yeah, <laughs> but. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a quick update for Liverpool. Yeah. But, you know, we'll go for Man U because a lot's also happened for your team, Yash. Yeah, a lot of bad. we last spoke about <laughs> not Not in a good way, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when, yeah, I think like the last time recorded, Solskjaer was probably still the manager, oddly enough, because I think that was before the Watford game where he, before he got sacked. Or I think it may have been um, Carrick was still the caretaker and we're still trying to figure out who would be interim. Uh, the interim manager, or oddly enough, I, or uh, you know, regardless, I think everyone knows Ralph Ranić. He's under, he's uh, he's a guy under the helm right now, um, brought in to be, you know, kind of interim manager and be a consultancy role after. Um, but the bigger news outside of that is obviously, as Tyler mentioned, I've mentioned, is that they will be trophyless for five seasons now, which is very sad. Uh, 
very heartbreaking. Um, it like it, it was very heartbreaking this season because it definitely felt like um, they were building a lot of momentum from last season, at least with Solskjaer. But it, it honestly, it feels like a even worse or pretty much on par with the Mourinho third season we had. Um, you know, maybe a couple years back, where under Mourinho in his second season, we built up some decent momentum. Second. Premier League finish, uh, defeated in the final in the FA Cup, um, you know, made some signings. We thought we were going to take the next step that that year after, but we just kind of collapsed. And this season has kind of been the same way where we signed some big players. We thought we were taking like the next step in terms of kind of solidifying ourselves as being normal. And it just kind of collapsed and everything collapsed. And it's just been kind of a disaster season. Players have just been out of form. Um, a lot of players that we thought, we're going to be consistent have kind of fell back into like their old former selves. Um, but I will say it hasn't been all doom and gloom. I think one thing I did like about Raniak since he's been in is that you can kind of see a little bit of a kind of a, a glimpse of the kind of philosophy and kind of style of play that he's trying to implement. And I think obviously the managers that they're looking at are, are similar to the philosophy and mindset that they're trying to instill. So there has been like positive signs. It's not all entirely doom and gloom but definitely for sure um when you compare them to the likes of chelsea or um liverpool or city like manchester united this season been definitely off the off the par and like just been completely um you know caught in two different i would would, how would how would you even describe it caught in two different lanes um just not even on the same universe of those those three teams at least um so it's, it's just been a disaster in that sense but um, they are looking for a new manager. They have been um, a lot of a lot of rumors have been heating up about Eric Ten Hag, the uh, IX manager. He's basically been linked to the job ever since like September when Solskjaer started to feel like the hot seat coming, kind of creeping in. And it seems like it's really intensifying now. There was re- there were reports that um, this past Monday, um, Ten Hag he interviewed for the job or United interviewed him. They also have a short list of like Pochettino. Because uh, it seems like the Pochettino PSG experiment really is not going to go that well. Really, no coach succeeds there just because of the the way the culture is at that club and like the players they have. Pochettino has been on the short list, and then they also had Luis Enrique um, on the short list, and then also uh, Juan Lopetegui, the uh, Sevilla manager, has been on the short list. But definitely, it's kind of a battle between Pochettino and Eric Tahong. And I think right now, um, all the reports are that it's like Tahong, like Ten Hag. Eric's Eric's job essentially to lose um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the way it's kind of shaping out Uh, I know me personally as a United fan and talking to other United fans definitely the hype and the kind of momentum in terms of the fan base is like let's sign Eric Ten Hong like we want to build for him let him have like his hands on the project and basically build something for the future um and it's not like Pochettino if he were to be hired it's like a disaster but it seems like the Pochettino Hires kind of lost a bit of momentum just because of the um, the Champions League exit with PSG and just kind of like the uncertainty in terms of like, you know, can he win a trophy? I still think he's a good coach. I think the PSG job, like I said before, is just kind of unrealistically hard. Even Thomas Tuchel, who won a Champions League with Chelsea with a, a lesser squad, you could say on paper with uh, PSG, he took them to a Champions League um, and won it. Um, I think the same thing Pochettino is kind of facing with this PSG squad. There's just too many superstars and it's just the cohesion and kind of chemistry is just not there. And plus they don't, all those players do not fit like the style of play that he wants. So I think it was just a disaster to begin with, but 
I would personally like to see Eric Ten Hag. I, I would I would be excited to kind of see someone who has a fresh new idea on how to go about things and just basically kind of give him the wheel in terms of, hey, you have a project, scrap out the players that won't fit it, even if they are high earners or they're like big names, just start fresh, build something like almost like what Arsenal did where they kind of scrapped the all the big name players, even if they were fan favorites and just went for the youth, went for lower budget players that were kind of like, you know, lesser known, but they scouted them well, fit the profile, and then just go from there. You'll you'll face a lot of growing pains. You know, it'll be hard, but like hopefully by like two years from now, you'll be able to look back on it and be like, okay, like we set the foundation for the future. You answered like every single question I was going to ask you right there. <laughs> I was prepared. But I was prepared. You were prepared right there. Because I was like, what direction do you want Man U to go in? And basically, you kind of just answer right there. You want to hong in and basically that Arsenal kind of blueprint where you kind of just fire sell all the veterans and just bring in some new players that kind of fit the style of the next manager. And for mm-hmm. Arsenal, that was fitting that Arteta kind of game plan with getting in like, you know, Gabriel Martinelli, Ben White, Bakayo Saka, yeah, Ben White, <laughs> Ramsdale. Yeah, Tomiyasu, Rams, Ramsdale, like, yeah. Um, the list goes on, and now they're in fourth place with a game on hand. Yeah, four so, points ahead of um, Tottenham and United. And you. Yeah. And right now, Manchester <laughs> United, the expectations for them were so high. I remember yeah. in the first week of the season, I, I even believed that I said myself that, that Man U were in the running for possibly winning the, the whole league. Yeah. Because they had Ronaldo. They had basically everyone that they had last season that helped them make that big run. And also, they brought in world-class players on top of that with Jaden Sancho and Rafael Moran. Yeah. So, and it, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been it's just been a disaster. And yeah, it's just you know you've seen it like throughout the, the throughout the season. It's just gotten a bit sadder and sadder. But it, it, it's just really frustrating um, because I feel like um, at least after the end of last season, you could definitely talk to any United fan. They were very hopeful, but there was one thing that they've been calling out for is that, hey, we need to make sure we sign like a good midfielder that can kind of be like a good defensive midfielder to kind of solidify, you know, things up for us. But we never ended up signing that. We kind of got, I wouldn't say pressured buying, but we kind of felt the pressure of like, oh God, like Ronaldo could potentially go to Manchester City. So they kind of swooped in and just signed him off the cuff. It wasn't really part of the plans to sign Ronaldo after the end of last season. It was just kind of like, hey, he's there. Like, we got to get him back. Otherwise, he's going to go to our biggest rivals. And in a lot of ways, I kind of look at like a lot of players we have. Um, I remember before Fred signed for United, there was Pep Guardiola and Manchester City were heavily linked with Fred. Like, they really wanted him. And then before Mm -hmm. Harry Maguire signed for us, Manchester City were heavily linked and Pep Guardiola talked about like he really likes the profile of Harry Maguire. Um, So it's almost like in a lot of ways, we've just kind of been chasing shadows of like Liverpool, City, Chelsea um, during this whole kind of like post Fergie run where we're just kind of the way this club is structured is just so archaic. And we're slowly kind of getting a little bit closer to like the modern setup, but it was just so archaic from like the post Fergie realm that we were just kind of chasing shadows and just trying to emulate what was going on or trying to patch over stuff with bandages with like big superstar signings or, you know, big, um, big signings that probably don't fit the system of the, uh, of the team we have, but they're just kind of there to help sell shirts and help put people in seats. And, you know, occasionally you'll, you'll get a game, um, like the Tottenham game where like 
things just gel perfectly and it just looks awesome. But then a lot of times you'll get the games against City and Liverpool where you just get outrun um, by teams that have been um, practicing a system, living by the system and following the system rather than um, a team that's just kind of been living off the cuff and kind of taking the shortcut to success rather than just looking at it long term and just sucking up the pain um, and just going from there. And I thought we were doing that with Solskjaer with the first season and it looked like we were, but it just seemed like this transfer window with being bringing in Ronaldo, it was just almost like we went from the team that was still kind of on the project of like building up youngsters and um, slowly getting there. It's like, as soon as we signed Varane and Ronaldo, it's like, Oh God, like we went from the team building youngsters to like, Oh my God, we got to start challenging for titles. And I think the, mixture of expectations and all of that just kind of collided and it just um as we see now it just it's just kind of been a disaster yeah literally it the whole thing with Solskjaer in the past several seasons like yes man you did get rid of a lot of dead wood yeah yes like to mention and then it's like all right you finally have something built but now I feel like you're kind of spot on with that too where it's just once Ronaldo came in once Varane came in it kind of changed that oh I guess Manchester United are kind of done with that building that team building project is they're basically there all they need is like these extra pieces and they're done Mm -hmm. but if anything it did like the opposite effects where it's like everything they built up (laughs) it just kind of went out the window yeah and now they're in this whole new system with ralph radnick where even i feel like in the first few games he had his prolific 4-2-2-2 formation just kind of out there and using the pieces and players they did have it didn't work out yeah and now (laughs) you see in the formation typically is now a 4-2-3-1 with the players he does have and you know certain players don't even get the start that are kind of the bigger names like Marcus Rashford on the bench usually yeah and I mean I mean it's just also the bigger like like you said the bigger players like Rashford Rashford has just had such a lost and forgetful season I, I don't know what's been going on I think um he played hurt for a majority of last season with like a shoulder bug and basically played through it and I, I really feel bad for him because um, it seemed like the way United's medical staff kind of worked it is just that he just kind of overworked himself. And um, it just looks like now his confidence is so shot. Like he just looks like not even a shell of the player that he once was. And hopefully maybe some more break or like, you know, something like in the summer will just help kind of get back to the player he once was. But he doesn't look the same. Marcial's out on loan and just not doing well at Sevilla. And it just kind of looks like his career is kind of plateaued. Um, there's just so many players there. I mean, there's just a long list of players. I mean, Maguire, it seems like when he when he looked like he was taking the next step from last season, has regressed a ton. Luke Shaw has just been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Aaron Juan Bosaka just does not fit like the modern setup of a of a team that wants to play with possession football. He's not very comfortable offensively, so he can't really perform. And then when you have Diogo Dalo, who is more comfortable offensively. He is a bit more of a liability defensively just because he's not really, he's not the best defender. So it's like a lot of the players we thought were taking the next step, they just kind of regressed or they've been hurt or injured. And it's just kind of left to like a lot of mismaps. I know um, Jaden Central finally is kind of coming into form, but it took him basically all up until I would say honestly January before he actually started looking like the player he once was at Dortmund. Um, Ronaldo has kind of been off and on. Bruno has been off and on. Paul Pogba has been off and on. Um, a lot of the big guys that you would come to rely on have just been off and on. And yeah, it's just been it's just been very weird. I think one thing I, I wanted to bring up real quickly is just the uh, goalkeeping situation because, um, you know, I've always been a, like kind of a big De Gea fan. I, I think 
in the podcast, like even when he was going through his worst patch, like his worst mm-hmm. run, probably for like three years, I've always stood beside like De Gea. I was like, you know, he's been the guy for us for so many years. But, you know, in terms of the way Ranić wants to play and any modern manager with like the likes of Pochettino or Tanang or whoever were to come in, like even Luis Enrique or whoever, the way the game is set up is like you need a goalkeeper that can comfortably play passes out the back or is really comfortable with the feet, like a really good distributor of the ball, like Manuel Neuer. Like he's the one that basically set the foundation. But Manuel Neuer, Ederson, um, you know, Ali Sun-esque, where they're just really comfortable with the feet. And unfortunately, De Gea is kind of stuck in a weird zone where he's basically a great goalkeeper. But if he would be a great goalkeeper if we were still judging keepers by the way they were judged maybe back in early 2000s or like the mid like 2010s. But nowadays in the modern goalkeeper, his just lack of um, ability to like really distribute the ball really hinders like United's play because as soon as De Gea gets the ball, you know, teams know that they can pressure um, pressure him and he'll basically get forced into making a really bad pass and just give up possession. And that's, you know, one of the errors that we have, but it's that's a big thing is that our goalkeeper, unfortunately, just cannot handle the pressure of kind of being like a distributor out the back and you know, that kind of brings into like, okay, he's on big wages. He's kind of hit, you know, he's hit 31 now. I think he's 30 or 31 or 32. You know, he's at a stage in his kind of like career where, you know, I don't know he can really develop, you know, distribution skills like that anymore because he's kind of like the way he plays. He's a phenomenal shot stopper, but that's essentially what you get with De Gea is that he's a phenomenal shot stopper, but he still has trouble kind of challenging for balls with the corner kicks, being a very commanding person, when to get off his line um, and just doesn't really play like the way a modern keeper does. And Dean Henderson hasn't really shown that he's capable to kind of be United's number one. So there's a lot of holes that need to be filled, like possibly a new goalkeeper, a new center back to partner up with Varane, um, because it seems like Maguire might be out of, out of the way, like a new kind of right back to ch- challenge Dallo, a new midfielder. Um, so there's just like a lot of holes, a lot of like deficiencies in the squad that kind of need like a proper rebuild, essentially. It's gone from the project that has been building for the past yeah. few seasons to now. It's like, all right, time to restart again. Yeah. But I don't know about De Gea. I feel like De Gea, he got man or Premier League player of the month, I believe, in January. Yeah. So he's good. Although I, I, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things like since the team is playing so poorly, like obviously there's a big microscope on every player and it's just like any little mistake or any little thing. I, you know, I don't think like goalkeepers like, oh my God, like that's the number one priority to like kind of focus in on and, you know, change. I think that's probably like a little bit down the order, but it's definitely up there in terms of like when you look at a city, Liverpool, a Chelsea with Edward Mendy, uh, any modern you know, great team out there right now. They they have a goalkeeper that can play it out the back and is just comfortable distributing balls. I mean, that's the whole reason Arsenal went away from Burton Leno and got Aaron Ramsdale is that Aaron Ramsdale is really good at distributing the ball with his feet. Mm-hmm. That is true. It's uh, it's kind of atoning to the new modern system, but also I guess it will depend which manager comes in next in terms of, you know, whether or not, because I don't know at Ajax if Onana is the best <laughs> on the you know, with ball at his feet either. But, and then of course at PSG, you had Donnarumma and Kaylor Navas. So I don't know, but for me, I feel like a good goalkeeper is just so hard to get at the same time too. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if I would just get rid of De Gea if I were Manchester United, just because I don't know who else you can replace him with. 
Yeah, it's I mean just, that that is very true that there's not a very high quality goalkeepers. Like Chelsea got lucky that Edward Mendy was just there and turned into like mm-hmm. a world class keeper, but that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I even had my my doubts on Ramsdale. At yeah, the of the I mean we like, all did. everyone did. He's like, what the heck? <laughs> and he ended up turning out pretty twice. decent. Yeah, he ended up t- mm-hmm. turning out pretty good keeper. So keepers are a hard bunch to find. So although. You know, man, you have all these issues. I don't think goalkeepers should be the first thing on the list. It should be like everything else that I would say Harry Maguire, the guy in front of him, is probably the number one. Yeah, poor but, Maguire, man. I, I, there's just, I feel like there's a lot of players at the club that could benefit just going out on loan or just per- personally just kind of parting ways with the club and just going, going somewhere else, like a fresh new start mm-hmm. for their career. Cause Harry Maguire is a good player. Like, I, it's just he's a good player, but right now, in, in terms of like his Manchester United confidence, it's just so low that I, I just don't know how it's ever going to get rebuilt, or you know his his reputation or his confidence. I don't think I don't, I just don't know when that's going to be rebuilt because it's just suffering a lot right now. Yeah, and he's also captain. He happens the captain's armband, and yeah. it's hmm. I, I feel like it's it's what comes with the gig being at yeah. Manchester United all the criticism and all the expectations that come with it. And he's not really living up to it. But I would say the biggest question I actually had for you, Yash, for this squad itself is, you know, there's a lot of players that probably should get the boot and probably should kind of switch and transfer out based on whoever the next manager is. But do you keep Ronaldo? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh, if you're going full total rebuild, I would say no. Um yeah, I don't think it's worth keeping because it's like a messy situation where look at Barcelona with without Messi. Yeah, it was very difficult and it was very painful to like let him go or like the fact that he left. But I mean, the way Barcelona are playing like the Xavi balls, they say if you throw Messi there, you know, he's a great player and I'm sure he'll do fine. But, you know, he'll kind of throw a, a fork in the road where, you know, maybe the likes of Pedri, Gavi, um, those youngsters for Barca like Ferran Torres, all those young youngsters that are kind of like making their name out there and developing well, you know, Messi's there all of a sudden, like, oh God, like they got to feed the ball to Messi. Like it's all about Messi, you know, even though Messi doesn't come off like persona wise like that, it's just, how can you not, not feed him the ball? That'd be like ridiculous not to, you know? So Mm -hmm. I feel like the way with Ronaldo is that if he's not scoring goals, unfortunately it's just kind of a detriment to the team to have him in there because he is not going to press all the time. He compared to Messi, I would say like his distribution in terms of long passing and short passing, obviously it's not the same because him and Messi are a bit of a different player um, where Ronaldo's definitely much more of like just wants to be a poacher and just get his um, like be in front of the six yard box. But yeah, if you're going a full total rebuild, I don't think um, it's worth keeping Ronaldo. I know there's reports that he wants to see out his contract, but it would be hard to sell him because he's on such huge wages. But yeah, if you had an option to sell him and move him on to another club, I would move him on because um, unfortunately it's great for nostalgia that he came back and everything. It was cool. But you know, if you're going full rebuild, you need to, you need to basically take off, rip off all the bandages and just kind of go, go, go new, go fresh, you know? Man, he scored a hat trick against Tottenham, Yosh. Yeah, he scored, <laughs> but like, it's just it's just one of those things. Like, you gotta go, gotta go fresh. And like, there's there's youngsters at United that can really pave the way and you know do some good things. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a tough call. But yeah, if you're going full rebuild, I think it's just one of those that it might be beneficial long term for the club. That hey, they just go 
go younger early. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying though, because I feel like also ever since Ronaldo kind of joined, we haven't really talked about Bruno Fernandez, and also just on top of that, you know, Marcus Rashford and the rise of Alanga as well. Mm-hmm. Like maybe those are hindered a little bit because you know it's Ronaldo. You kind of have to let him take his shots at random yeah. when he wants, and also just kind of force feed it to him too. So it's a it's a big one. I don't know if how would I would answer it myself. I think if you, depending on who the next manager is, if they actually are just going to go for a full rebuild, then it makes no sense to have them. Yeah, you should definitely just chuck them to some other team that's trying to win now. <laughs> but I think if you know, man, you do want to go the Arsenal route and want to go full rebuild, then I feel like everyone over this certain age, <laughs> it's like over maybe thirty three, something like that. They should be probably moved off. Maybe even like Cavani as well, maybe. But yeah, it's gonna hit. But I mean, even if you look at the table right now, Manchester United, it's not looking like they even make Champions League. Yeah. So it's like it's a run. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna have to hope that Arsenal slip up, and then it's one of those things where they're just gonna have to continue winning. So yeah, like like you said, top four seems like a bit of a stretch. So realistically, the new manager that comes in is either gonna be in Europa League or Europa Conference League or either no European football. You know. You guys are Manchester United, man. Yeah, you got to be in. I know Champions League, you got to be in the Champions League, <laughs> but it's just that's just not how the the table started for us. We're just uh, we're just in a, in the gutter right now. In the gutter. <laughs> I mean, it's just well, like you know. a. I mean, I always bring it up, but I mean, I'm sure like for Liverpool fans, this is how it felt like for a decent period. I guess during like like from like 2011 to like 15, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. just like oh, like we're so far away from the top. It's like a roller coaster. You get second place with SAS with Sturge and Suarez one season. You get second place in the next season. You sell Suarez and then <laughs> you drop back down. And then you just have literally Barini, Ricky Lambert, and Balotelli. And it's like, what the heck happened to the team? <laughs> so oh. I definitely feel like Manchester United are just in that kind of roller coaster right now. Where it's just they don't. They're now starting to get an identity with Ralph Rangnick, but I guess. Once a new manager comes in, once again, it'll be a whole other kind of rebuild. It'll be like, all right, time to go under Eric Tahong kind of style or Pochettino's kind of style. It's like, all right, time to just restart. I think yeah. once Manchester United finally get that manager or finally have, you know, Ralph Ranick in that consultancy role where you can kind of overlook everything and kind of keep everything in a consistent manner and just instead of having you know, the manager have all this power and be like, all right, I guess this is the style for this season and next season <laughs> <laughs> under me. Yeah. Having in one consistent kind of roadmap for them, I think that'd be the key. Cause you know, once Klopp came in, it was a little rough at the beginning of the seasons too. Like the first couple of seasons, it was a slow build from getting into Europa League finally and then into Champions League finally. And then ultimately finally winning yeah. the Champions League and then the Premier League. But there's a lot of tantalizing finals within that too. A lot of lost finals like against Sevilla in the Europa League. Yeah. Or against Real Madrid in the Champions League, getting second place in the Premier League to Man City by one point. Like it's it's a slow build, but I think Man U, it's just been too volatile. Yeah. It's like they get so close. And then it's like, all right, what's the extra piece we need just to get over that little hump? Ah, Ronaldo, Ron. And then it just <laughs> it does the opposite effect. So mm-hmm. I think uh it just depends on who comes in next and if this whole plan works out. Cause right now I just feel like they're getting so close with their plans. And once at the very end, white, when it's a 99% loading and done, 
that last percent it just corrupts and fails. Yeah. It so. just gets it's just like a hard drive failure, like just complete, you know, data loss right there. I think that's a good point mm-hmm. because yeah, I think I think the one thing like even it was the same thing with Liverpool, it's just that the the one thing United have going for them, I guess, compared to a Tottenham is that United have such a big name behind them that it's just always the lure of like, hey, you could be the manager, you could be the player to help bring this back to glory. Um, is always going to be there just because of how traditionally historic Manchester United were. So I think the thing is that lure will always be there. And I think that's what's always going to attract players and managers and coaches and teams to always come. So I think it's sort of like a kind of like a historic franchise where it's like the Lakers, where they have such a big brand name. And even though like they may consistently are kind of struggling for a while, um, they have such a big brand name that they're always still going to attract stars and get people's eyeballs and attention. So it's just one of those, like United finally have to kind of realize like, okay, we have this big brand power. Now we got to actually do the right stuff to like, make sure we consistently keep up with our brand, you know, Mm -hmm. even just kind of around that too, it's just hard to rebuild because once you get so close, it's like, Oh, we can just sneak in Ronaldo. Yeah. Sneak in Jaden Sancho. It's like, nah, I don't know if it fits the mold, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i i, I would have been no it would have been interesting to see what the season would have looked like with if they never went out inside ronaldo i think mm-hmm. it would have been very interesting to see what would happen because at that point it would basically be the same makeup of last year where mainly bruno being the main playmaker added in like a world-class center back and a really top rising talent and jaded sancho so it'd been very interesting to see what would have happened with the squad had ronaldo not come in because i think it's just like when you threw in Ronaldo, it's like, okay, all the game plan that you have set up goes out the window because it's like, okay, everything has to go through Ronaldo. Kind of the game plan of pressing how to play goes out the window because it's like, okay, what does Ronaldo, what can we do to feed Ronaldo the most goals? So it just throws a fork in the road, you know? So yeah. it's always, yeah. So maybe that's where it is right there. You gotta get rid of Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, bl- not blaming everything on him. It's just been a tough season, so <laughs> it, it, it'll be interesting to see what would happen without him. But you know, it is what it is, type thing with with Ronaldo. But yeah, not, not to think up like all the time, but that was essentially like I think like it, it just it ends up happening where United end up being the dumpster fire. So like they always have to. There's always a lot of craft that needs to be like talked about. <laughs> <laughs> it's always. I don't know. I feel like that's always something I kind of think about too. It's a lot easier to talk about things going wrong than kind of. Yeah. Cause like when you're like running well, it's just like, yeah, right. like, yeah, it's like when you're running well, it's like, okay, like there might be a little slip and hiccup there, but it's like a well run, like old machine will basically have backups in place to like, you know, hide the deficiency, you know, like hide the weak it's link like, if there is one, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, it's like, like know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. For Liverpool right now, it's like, yeah, things are going well. We're not really scoring, but. At least we have we're a good defense. Wins. Yeah, we have a good defense. <laughs> well, I say United, like if we're not scoring, we're leaking like five goals a game. So it's like, oh god. <laughs> like, so it's like if one band aid comes off, it's like all the other ones come off. So it's it's the same. It's just like if you're a good team, good teams find ways to win, and also good teams don't have a ton of problems going off the field and on the field. They just figure out ways to win and hide each other's deficiencies. But if you're a bad team, it's like you're just bad, and then like a bunch of bad stuff always comes out. You know. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of brought into a bigger spotlight. And it's like, here's for the world to see and for us to talk about on the pod. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's awful. It's awful. That's all I could say about it. But yeah, that was essentially what we had. I, I think um, 
we had a topic three, like we, we mentioned in the beginning of the show, like our, our topic three, but we kind of felt like the topic three was the kind of the beginning of the show where we were just kind of giving an explainer of like what's been going on with us, where we've been and everything. Um, but yeah, it was like first episode of like the new format. How'd you feel about it? I like it. Yeah. It's something where we can kind of go more in depth just because this is what we know yeah. most about. That, that the makes tongue sense. twister. The tongue twister. Unintentionally. But... <laughs> You know, everyone listening, let us know what you guys think, because, yeah, you know, it's uh, probably what we're going to stick with for the time being, if not the rest of until we restructure again <laughs> <laughs> and who knows how long. But um, I would say it kind of works out for us because now we always get to talk about something that we like, which is our own teams. And then whatever is the hot topic of the week. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I get to see Yush go through his progressions of seeing Man you go up and down. <laughs> This roller coaster. I mean, ever since we started the podcast, it's been up and down for me, <laughs> week in and week out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I feel like I feel like Tyler's definitely had like the more steady Eddie of like the two. Luckily, yeah. Last but season then, was a bit of a roller coaster, but like even then, it's like you guys somehow still made the top four. Like, it was rickety, but at least he'll still steady the ship. Yeah, steady compared to Manu. It's like <laughs> what's that ride at Disney World where it's like. The hotel where just it's like a drop. Oh my god! Like it was like the arachnophobia <laughs> or something, like Six Flags, that type of thing. Uh, something like that, where it's just like it's just the whole ride is just you going up like an elevator and then just drops you like twenty stories. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a like, roller coaster that ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's a good sum up of like what United are at. Um, and then Liverpool are definitely just like the the normal, you know, just steady Eddie ride. Like all good teams are, just like steady Eddie ride. You know, little blips but like they they handle it but yeah Mm -hmm. like tyler mentioned this was like our first episode of like the new format i liked it and tyler mentioned like he liked it as well so we're definitely um looking forward to like experimenting more with the new format and just seeing how it goes and seeing where the topics kind of land but um i guess with that that kind of wraps up uh season four episode 137 for us as we always say um you can subscribe to our youtube channel where you can catch video versions of the podcast. You can also leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you listen to us on there. And if you don't want to leave us a rating, um, you can definitely just reach out to a friend or if you know anyone that is interested in Premier League soccer or anything of the sorts, um, be sure to you know recommend it to us and we'll definitely appreciate the support or any way we get it. And you can also follow us at the Premier, at the Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Send us any DMs or any requests that you have through there. And yeah, that that essentially wraps up season four, episode 137 for us. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much for watching. And yeah, that kind of does it for us. Peace. Peace.